Welcome to episode 10 of the British Ultra Running Podcast with your hosts, me, James Elson, and him... And Danny Lawson. Dan Lawson, back in the UK. Yeah, back in the UK. How are <laughs> you doing? It. I'm all right. I'm, 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 I'm almost there. I'm, it's a transitioning period from lovely beach weather to Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, I actually felt the sun on my. I've just been out for a run. I actually felt the sun on my face this morning, and it felt it felt quite nice. Yeah. I saw a picture of you running in the week in a down jacket. Oh, it's not just a down jacket. I've I've been double downing, if that's a thing. Double downing. (laughs) Yeah. So two two down jackets, a, a hoodie, two down jackets, and then. And then that the bare minimum of flesh exposed, so like a a booth or a buff up to my eyes, and then a hat pulled down like a ninja. Well, Did you just call a buff a booth? Yeah, a booth, a booth. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very European of me. Yeah, a booth. Also, yeah. Um, definitely don't enter the spine if you're running around in a hoodie and two down jackets, and it's like five degrees and a bit rainy. Then I would stick yeah. clear of the spine. I was thinking that yesterday, yeah, when I was, I was like, my toes were getting. I did a three hour. I've done two three hour back to backs. Yes, the day before and then yesterday. Yeah. Nice. And my toes have been like, oh, like close to frostbite. And when I've been running, that's what I, <laughs> I've been thinking about those people on the spine. Like, how do they, how do they do it? Have they got like six pairs of socks on and shoes that are? four sizes too big for them or are they just a lot harder than me probably <laughs> i just think you're uh, acclimatized to indian conditions and not really in the right um in the right area acclimation wise for uk right now what so two three hour back to backs what's um what's next you've got a half marathon coming up right yeah i was supposed to run in barcelona this weekend but i um i, I didn't get out there i had oh. to look after my my dog instead oh um, but it was probably a good thing because I was a bit. Like, I had a few niggles. I always do when I come back from the hot to the cold. Right. Like it, it does. It does take a while for my body to uh, get used to it, and I always get niggles when I first come back here. So mm, mm. yeah, yeah. Next for me is a half, the half Brighton half marathon next okay. weekend. Yep. And and then then Gallagher hundred miler, right? Yeah, the weekend after that. Yeah. So yeah. that's going to be super exciting. So you're off to China. Are you just going out there for the race or are you going for a holiday as well? No, just for the race. I think four okay. or five days, yeah, and, oh. the, and then back again, yeah. Good. But, yeah. James, you've got lots to talk about, yeah? Since we last spoke, you've been proper busy, yeah? Been you've busy. Been doing all sorts. Been busy. Been, been to two yeah. races, one for, for my own running and another one to help out and crew for somebody else. Yeah, so the first one was Rocky Raccoon 100, yeah. which is a trail race in Texas. Um, now, now you need to fill me in a little bit on this one, yeah, because I like whenever you race, whenever your friends race, obviously you you watch quite. Um, you're watching on the internet, and by to me, you were having a a fantastic race, yeah. And I was I was messaging people and telling them how well you were doing, and uh, and on the online tracker or the the live results. It came up that you you finished third, yeah. Was that Indeed. right? Yeah. yeah. Third. Yeah. Definitely. In something like sixteen hours or something, which yeah. is a pretty reasonable pretty reasonable time. Yeah. And back in the UK, everyone was like messaging on social media and WhatsApp saying, "Oh, nice one, James. Good stuff." 
Yeah. And then it took it took like twenty four hours before you responded, and you responded with, with what? What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. We'll rewind a minute first. So the race um, is f- this year. It was four twenty five mile loops. But a loop is not the right word to use because because of the damage from Hurricane Harvey last year to the state park, there are trees down everywhere. The trails have been completely washed away in places. They created a new course, which was a series of out and backs. Um, and without overcomplicating it, there were essentially five different sections of the course, which you ran in both directions four separate times. The, on the plus side... Um, some of the original trail that was part of the original course was still in there and was great. Um, you also got to see the entire field every few miles because, uh-huh, yeah. you know, you you know to start with anyway, you, you know, you'd make a turnaround at mile five and run back into the other 400 or so competitors. Um, great camaraderie out on course. The, the downsides were that um, it rained... I mean, on and off about 70, 80% of the race, it rained and it became extremely muddy. Um, and particularly because people were trampling the same section of course over and over, it got worse and worse. And oh, there was yeah, one yeah. section from the, t- it was a five mile out and back from mile nine ish to mile 18 ish, 19 uh, ish. And that section was pretty much single track and very muddy. And when you've got people coming in both directions, even going two abreast was impossible. You know, people slipping around one another and kind of getting in each other's way and everything else. Oh, so it was single. It was single track, but mm-hmm. people were coming both both mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, it was it was a little bit tricky at times, but it was what it was. We were all, I think, just grateful that they managed to pull a course off when it would have been easy just to cancel the race. Yeah, so it was it was wet from the beginning at the start. Ronnie Delza was second there last year to James Stewart and recently ran under 14 hours at another Trail 100 in Texas in December. And he was being chased by Sabrina Little, uh, who used to be Sabrina Moran, and she's won that race three times before. And a guy called Chad Rickliffs, who used to be a very high-level 100K runner over in the US. And uh, those, uh. Those, those three went off ahead. And I settled into into a rhythm just behind them with a, a runner that um, I know well called Steve Spears. Long story yeah. short, we got through about 10 miles and everybody split up and I found myself on my own for about 60 odd miles. I fell over at about 58, 59 and got extremely cold coming back into the end of that loop. Because it's loops... You sort of think, well, you know what, I'll just get back to start finish and then get my drop bag out and change clothes. And I won't bother taking care of myself at the checkpoints in between time because it's just a waste of time. Well, by the time I got to mile 75, the end of that loop, I was in big trouble. I was absolutely freezing cold. And um, Mate, you should have you should have doubled down. Should have doubled down. <laughs> I walked over to the timing tent and said to him, look, guys, um, if I go back out on loop... I was in third at that point because Chad had dropped out and uh, Ronnie and um, Sabrina were probably, I mean, 40 minutes ahead of me. So, you know, never in danger of getting anywhere near them. I needed a long time off the trail to sort myself out. It took me about two hours to get warm again, you know, stop shivering. And then, of course, I passed out because uh, I was lying down. And I woke up about five hours later... You had a five-hour kip. 
I was yeah. just, no, well, I was off the course for five hours. I was probably asleep for about ninety minutes of that, and I was in that just you know I've I've run that race five times before, finished four times. You do get a nice five hundred mile jacket and buckle if you do five of them. At this point, I was like, I've got two choices here. Either I can, you know, just drive off. Um, my car's parked right next to me. And just drive off and see you later. Or yeah. I can go off for a long walk in the woods in the middle of the night in the pissing rain. <laughs> and I, I went over to the time tent and said, guys, I'm heading back out. I just need to uh, just need to get this one done. You know, it's one of those times where you just, there's no good excuse I twisted yeah. my knee when I fell when I fell over and sort of smacked it on a root, but it didn't feel that bad that I could it was going to do damage. I went out there yeah. and about four miles into that loop, I start getting texts because I took my phone on the last loop to listen to some music because you know I was going to be <laughs> going to be out there a while. Yeah, a while. Well done, congratulations on yeah. third place. Awesome, awesome, James. Anyway, I messaged my wife and I was like, <laughs> "What the is going on?" You know, because I had no clue at that point. You know, I've been I went back out on course about 17 and a half, no, 16 and a half hours into the race. What had actually happened was I finished 75 miles in 1130 and then went back out 1630. The mat recorded me as finishing when, in fact, I was just starting my last loop. <laughs> so it clocked me in as third. And then my phone died because it was cold. So for the rest of that loop, I was like, I don't know what's happening. I finished the race in 22 and a half hours. So, my, yeah, I mean, my so, time, what, I mean, it just if, didn't. If you hadn't told anyone, don't you could have got, got away with it? Huh? Oh, sure. Bird, you know, but, I got, yeah. when I got back to the motel, I had an email from the race director, who I know quite well, saying, um, James, come and find me. You need to come collect your award. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like buddy, I, I just finished, like 22.30. Trust me, there's no awards for finishing 29th. Um, anyhow. Then there was this. Uh, I was delighted to finish. You know, it was it was pretty yeah, horrible. It's, it's the nice, last loop. Sometimes those those gnarly ones they they, they yeah. mean a lot more, don't they? That, yeah, uh, and especially yeah, as yeah. I dropped out of the twenty four hour in December, I felt like yeah. I needed. I just needed to put a finish behind me. Yeah, uh -huh. sure, it was a bit of a death march, but sometimes that's what the sport's about. Well, yeah. the next part of the story <laughs> is is, and this is the main part of the story. is not about me at all. It's about. Um, this, this, I've, I don't know, this sort of increasing prevalence of people cheating in ultra running. So Steve Spears, I passed with two miles of his race left to go and 23 of mine left to go as I headed out on that last loop. So I said, well done, Steve, congratulations. I don't even know if you heard me because he was moving well and you're sort of passing on a single track. Steve finished where well, he was fourth, right, because some dude came between the front two and and him obviously i was down at third at that point so he he was listed as fifth on the results turns out the guy who finished third patrick wills uh decided to cut the course uh four separate times so uh he initially <coughs> came over the finish line in like 1705 or something and steve was like 1720 or something um, and once my results, my 22 and a half hours overwrote the 16 and a half hour time that I was given, um, yeah. I, I dropped right down the ranking. So Steve climbed to fourth. This guy's then third. They checked out his splits um, and he ran the third loop 50 minutes quicker than the second one. Um, yeah. And his fourth loop, you know, 40 minutes quicker than his second one. And it was all a bit fishy. So at the, 
at the t- timing stations at the end of each uh, out and back, they checked to see if he'd been through because they were taking manual times there. And, and he hadn't yeah. been through either of them on either of the last two loops. So obviously, when you've got an out and back, you can you can just head out from a checkpoint, step off the trail, hide in the woods for, a, well, I don't know, what, an hour? Make it realistic. Yeah, yeah. Step back on the trail and just be like, hi, guys, and then jog back through the checkpoint, which is what this guy's done. I mean, there's, I just, just don't have the words for how frustrating <laughs> that is. From, uh-huh. a, from an organiser standpoint, from a runner standpoint, from a community standpoint, everybody's out there cheering for one another. This guy finished the race having cheated, obviously blatantly cheated, uh, then changed his Facebook profile pics, comments on Ronnie Dells' Strava. Oh, yeah, I couldn't upload my GPX. It only had me doing 80-summit miles. Obviously, a problem with the GPX in the woods. Is that <laughs> I mean, literally like a staggering level of deception. Anyway, Chris, uh, Chris is like doing a search and, and trying to say to him, look, just, just give us a GPX or any kind of proof that, uh, and we'll leave you alone. But your splits and the fact that we don't have times from you at the far point checkpoints, you know, indicate that you've cut the course. This guy just went AWOL and he still hasn't heard from him. So oh, this really? guy has been DQ'd. He's been, um, his historical results, I think, have been thrown into question. And he's been banned from... Other, I mean, he was entered for other races in Texas through the year, and he's been kicked off those. Uh, Ultra Sign Up changed his profile picture to a picture of Rick Astley. Did they? <laughs> I mean, it just it just defies belief to me that people. And so, what he would have finished if uh, third, yeah? Is he that, finished that... third, so he got yeah. a five hundred dollar check for USATF okay, finishing so was, second. There was money involved. There's yeah. money involved. Yeah. He he got a trophy. You know, this this is his first hundred, by the way. This guy, he was, you know, we saw it. I mean, we saw him, like, every so often early on, you know, cheering for each other, great stuff, yeah. And then afterwards, we find out this sort of level of deception. I just, oh. it's just so incredibly but disappointing. He's, someone else did it a few weeks ago as well, didn't they? In yeah. Canada. It's not that the was same almost, person. I mean, this, so this other guy, Kelly Agnew, was doing the across the years. I mean, I don't know if he's yeah. doing 24 or 48 hour on a one mile loop. And instead of completing loops, he was going to the Portaloo after finishing a lap and then coming out at a, you know, again, a realistic amount of time and then re-entering the course from in front of the mat and crossing the mat again. So essentially picking up a loop when all he'd done is go to the toilet. Uh, he's apparently been spotted doing this numerous times before, but it's the first time he's actually been caught. This is a guy who's won stuff, who's got course records, who who... who technically has like fkts on you know u.s trails and like trying to a quite a high level runner um with with a deep history blatantly cheating we had the guy in greece cutting the course on the athens 48 hour he he got disqualified oh but the funniest thing about him was he he got caught cutting the course didn't he he they kicked him out of the race and he said he said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to carry on racing. Mm. So they let him, they took his number and they let him carry on racing. And he carried on racing and he carried on cheating when he was, and he wasn't even, like, the, the laps weren't, they weren't even counting his laps anymore, but he carried on cutting the, cutting the course. It was just uh, it's ridiculous. It's mind-blowing. Yeah. We, we had a guy at the Thames Path last year who either took vehicular, I mean, he either got a lift or he got a taxi between checkpoints. Really? 
Um, <laughs> Azud Irshad, we've had to disqualify him because he was an, he. We asked him to provide a GPX file because his average pace between Reading and Whitchurch, which is nine miles, he was he was tenth from last coming through Reading. He picked up a lot of places in that section. His average minute mile pace in that section was like 440 per mile. <laughs> so we asked for a GPX, which took a little while to come through. When it came through, it showed mile splits in there in the low three-minute range. And it had clearly been altered to fit the course, but obviously what couldn't change with the timestamps. So he obviously, you know, someone had manipulated that GPX file. So we, you know, we, we've disqualified him and, and banned him. And I, I just... <laughs> This whole situation where these people are sort of creeping into our sport and uh, yeah. and and pulling stunts like this, I, it leaves me just speechless. I mean, yeah. I, I it's just, old school, though, isn't it? It's old school. In I guess the, it's always the, happened, the, the, you know. It's in just the Olympics, a, they're all they're all on EPO and uh, all sorts. But yeah. us, the ultra runners, we're still just uh, cutting It's interesting this and, discussion uh, about prize money, though, because you wonder if that is a you know is a is a motivator. For, for someone like this Patrick Wills fella at uh, Rocky Raccoon to cut the course. I mean, is he thinking yeah. I want 500 bucks or is he thinking I want the kudos for finishing, you know, third and, and second at the US ATF 100 mile champs? I mean, that could be worth sponsorship money to him, right? If he goes to, you know, a brand and says, look at my result, they, they <laughs> might give him some support there and it, it could be worth something. I think it's worth then, drawing attention chap, to this. But then that chap running your race, who was, what was he, 10th from last? He, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't doing it for... Uh... No. What do you do when you go home and you know that you've... Well, that's what I can't get my head around, yeah, because it's, when these races are a lot about... It's a lot about that personal sense of achievement, isn't it? You know, get, getting through that tough times, those dark times. And, and, and yeah, what do you... It's just... It's bizarre what must be going through their heads, yeah. I just think he's looked every runner in the eye on that course multiple times, you know, cheered them on and then and then just cheated everybody himself. He's caused the RD a load of distress. I mean, when when we had that guy cheat last year, it was one of the lowest moments I've ever had organizing events. You know, the the, facing the reality that someone did this and then having to have that conversation with that person is, is horrendous. You know, and we still haven't been provided a logical reason by Azad. He's completely ignored after we said, well, obviously we'll have to disqualify you. He's completely ignored communication. Um, and how do you deal with that as a, as a race director then? Do you, do you then speak to other race directors about, about him and kind of give him a, like a black mark and so he doesn't get into other races or you just kind of let it go and... And does he get a chance to go and run other races and do the same sort of thing? Or so, not? so a couple of years ago, I thought it was worthwhile UK organisers having a, a, you know, an area of com- to communicate through. So we set up an email group uh, where the RDs of most of the sort of more prominent races and, and, and you know, there's no there's no sort of stipulation on what allows you to be yeah. involved. Um, we just reached out to everybody we knew and there's probably 25, 30 RDs on there covering most of the key races and, and almost everyone said, yeah, I'd like to be involved. And, and I suggested on there, because we have a blacklist within Centurion races. It's got literally less than a handful of names on it. It's people who've either cheated or been disqualified. But yeah, I, you know, I said on there, you know, this, we've, we've found this guy's obviously taking vehicular transport. Are the Thames ring back in the day? Someone took a taxi between checkpoints. Uh, he hasn't been seen since, as far as I know. I don't see yeah. these people trying to come back in the sport because once they've been 
outed, NERD is going to spot them or, you know, there's such a small community. There's there's nowhere to hide, really. Um, anyway, I know it's a I bit of a long intro. I just... Um, no, no, I just... but talking about crazy, I want, I want to know something else about... I wanted to ask you this about... Um, what's it called, your race again? R- Rocky Raccoon. Rocky oh, Raccoon. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I saw on Facebook that a friend of mine, one of the Badwater runners mm. was pacing a 14 year old boy oh yeah who who ran rocky raccoon and he ran he ran the whole hundred miles huh buddy this this right? guy i mean he was he was 14 and obviously we're seeing him all the way around there now in the uk before we get into the age thing we have a um a stipulation in our uh, uk athletics permits that you know you've got to be 18 years old to compete in an ultra distance race otherwise you're not covered by public liability insurance and your insurance and the race rules um yeah. in the us they don't have that so you can do what you want as an organizer i think as long as you're covered and obviously on a loop course where you've got checkpoints every three and a half miles it's probably the safest pro- possible environment for this guy kid to be out there yeah, yeah, yeah. he was uh, I mean, I saw him 50k in, and he was really struggling. You know, try and give him support because fair play to the, the guy. He's out there. Yeah. He's trying to do it. He finished in 30 hours, I think, of five five minutes. So five minutes over the final cutoff. And oh, yeah, he dear. was being paced by Katra Corbett, and yeah. who's a big player on the American scene. She's been, you know, goodness knows how many races she's done. Um, and a couple of other people were out there supporting him too. Um, and he had support all the way around. They met him as often as they could, and he was really cheered for. And he was, yeah, I mean, just... I was sure he was done at about 50K, and, and yet he was out there for the full 30 hours. And, okay, he didn't finish inside the cutoff. He just missed it, but he finished the race. I mean, yeah, just Amazing, unbelievable. Yeah? I mean... Amazing. I'm not sure what I think about it. I don't no, know. I'm not. No. I'm, I'm, some, like, part of me is like, wow, that is fair play, do you know what I mean? And, yeah. But then some... The other half of me is like, man, I know how beat up I feel after 100 miles sometimes. Yeah. To think, to think of a 14-year-old and he, and him feeling like that, it's just like, whoa. The mental strength that, he must have at that age to be yeah. pushing himself for 30 hours through the woods in, in, not, in not good conditions. Okay, it's not a particularly difficult course, but um, it was certainly a lot more challenging than, than usual. Yeah, I mean, amazing. Anyway, so, moving on. So from next that. year, next year, this is my this is my seamless link, James. Right? Ne- next year we'll invite him over to the Ark of Attrition. Yeah? <laughs> Get him out there. Seamless. Yeah. yeah so yeah. last weekend I was over at the Ark of Attrition, which is a mud crew event um, down on the southwest coast path from Coverack to Port Town. So it goes around Lands End, effectively, um, hundred miles on the coast path trails. And had a great weekend uh, supporting Drew Sheffield, one of our um, Centurion staff. Um, he had an absolutely phenomenal race. He was about well, 70th yeah. at the Lizard, 10 miles in, and uh, made his way through ev- everyone apart from Paul and Steve, uh, Paul Maskell and Steve Wyatt. Paul Maskell's been on the show before. Those guys um, won it together last year. Um, Steve actually beat Paul Maskell by about uh, 20 seconds this year, just because I yeah, think... Yeah, what happened? Were you well, at the end? Paul, what so happened Paul, the I end? think, had been, you know, struggling a little bit in comparison to Steve. Steve had, had done the, 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 the valiant thing, stayed with Paul, but then obviously oh, okay. when they came to the end, I think it was only, you know, they decided it was fair yeah. to let Steve take take the win. They were the only two people under 24 hours this year. There was a diversion, and the conditions on, on the ground weren't great, muddy, 
slippery. Uh, and Drew finished third in 24 and a half hours, which was just brilliant. Um, yeah, phenomenal. Leading lady again, second year in a row, was Marion Devalley. She, um, she, she's a veteran of our events as well, and she, she took home the win. Um, only 55, 60-odd people finished out 150-odd starters, so it was a tough one. Wow, year. so only a third, yeah? Mm, mm. It was. Yeah, 36-hour yeah. cutoff. The amount of climb isn't particularly great, five, about 5,500 five metres, but it's, I think it's just awkward and slippery, and there's a lot of rock, and the weather obviously <laughs> isn't great. And, um, but it was a great weekend, and that's definitely one I'm looking to, uh, to race next February when it comes back. Yeah, highly recommended from you know from an organizer looking at an organizer. These guys really know their stuff and they really care. Yeah. Definitely a great race and, and one that's just you know uh, definitely on the the high, harder end of the UK hundred mile spectrum for sure. Oh um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yes, so, another brutal. Yeah. Right, we've brutal been going quite a while now, and we haven't even got our guest on yet. Yes, we've been nattering, haven't we? Yeah. We are, so this yeah, week geez. we've got uh, Sarah Morwood. She has had quite the journey over the last four or five years. She she was winning, you know, most of the stuff she was entering in terms of the British scene. Um, she was on the GB Trail team, and then in early 2016 she had um, a bike accident. She was involved in a, in a car accident on her bike, and completely smashed her knee apart. And has been on the road to recovery ever since. And, and just recently came back from a stellar performance at the Hong Kong 100K. But that was after a, a, an incredible 2017 where she put herself back on the map. So I guess without further ado, let's, let's get Sarah on and, uh, and hear more about her truly inspirational story. Cool. So welcome to the 10th edition of the British Ultra Running Podcast, Sarah Morwood. Thanks. Thanks very much. Good morning, Sarah. Oh, yeah, Daniel. Right. I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. Where are you, Sarah? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, just um, getting over Hong Kong. <laughs> Whereabouts are you? Um, I'm down in Newquay at the moment, um, just um, down at my mother-in-law's, just chilling out for a few days, enjoying the coast path. And how, how many days ago was Hong Kong then? It was... Uh, it was just over two and a half weeks now, actually. So, yeah, it's a distant memory already. So, starting at the end first, you've just come back from Hong Kong 100K. That's a race that's on yeah. the UTWT, the Ultra Trail World Tour, and attracts a class international field um, to it. Yeah. And then uh, you, you were given the news, I think, while you were there that you uh, made the GB Trail team for this May. So, yeah. congratulations. And then, you, and then you went out yeah. and had a stellar run at Hong Kong. So, you know, to a lot of our listeners who don't know anything about the race, the course, you know, what it's like, tell us a bit yeah. more about it and tell us how your race went. Um, well, it was it was pretty intense to start with because I'd, I'd been having a pretty tough time when I was out there with um, sort of ongoing mood issues and things. And so before I started, I was feeling horrendous. And then I got the news that I'd been selected and I thought that would take the pressure off, but actually it, it kind of made me feel worse, almost like, I um I had to prove myself that they'd made the right decision. So it was a bit weird going out there. And then the course itself is, is quite strange. I've never run anything like it. There's about a sort of kilometre hard dash along a, a, a road. And I couldn't work out why everyone had set off at sort of half marathon pace. And then you hit this enormous bottleneck as everyone tries to ram into this sort of like single file trail. 
And then for quite a long time then, you're just single file and it's a case of just dodging and weaving and trying to get past people because everyone then slows down as they can't get up hills. So it was it was quite wacky from that sense. And then, and then obviously the thing we've been told about that I thought I'd be prepared for going, having run a bit of the coast path here with the steps, but by God, there are a lot of steps. <laughs> and uh, Sarah, so you was it was it a shock about the trail team? Was it something you weren't expecting, or was it? Um... Yeah, because I didn't have a qualifying distance for the twenty four hours because my my qualifying distance was just at, outside of the the cutoff, and then mm. obviously I'd had my I'd had my fracture between then and and this. And I'd applied for both the 24 and, and the trail. And I thought, I mean, I've seen what women are doing in the last year or so in, in ultra racing and thought, I don't have a hope in hell of getting selected against those those girls. I mean, there's people out there doing amazing things. So it was a, it was a long shot. And I thought, well, I'll stick my name in there. But I really don't expect to, to be compared against any of those other women who are being selected. So it was it was a hell of a shock. I, I cried mean, quite a lot. You, you like all ultra runners, Sarah, are very modest. And, yeah, um, that, that was very humble, that last you, thing. Yeah. You have earned that it's best true, because of the way back, you know, the way you've come back from, you know, a colossal injury. And we, we'll rewind to that in a moment because that, that sort of meat of the story and your journey back and how you did it and where you're at now is, is probably what people are most interested in. Um, yeah, but you you know you've um, you've definitely earned earned the right to be on, on that team um, and to be picked is, is just uh, caps off your, your your full return you know from injury I guess but so Hong Kong just to just to finish on Hong Kong you you ended up in sixth yeah <laughs> and yeah. came through the I field really... like an absolute pro from twenty fifth at checkpoint one making up places yeah. the whole way through pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I had a really good second half, and then I started to overtake people from about 65k onwards, and I was getting stronger and stronger, and they were getting weaker and weaker, and it just felt really good. Mm, nice feeling. Plus, that, at that point, that was the point where where we got to see all the monkeys, so I was quite distracted by monkeys at that point <laughs> as well. <laughs> you kind of forget about everything. I'm like, oh, monkeys! I'm running past monkeys. <laughs> yeah. How did the race rate against some of the stuff you've done in the UK? You know, it, was it much more challenging because of conditions? I know the in- environmental pollution out there is a bit of a hazard in terms of breathing, um, yeah. humidity. You know, what what was it like? You know, if you're a British runner looking to race over the winter, is is it a viable option or is it a you know super tough race? Um, I think it's tough because you come from British winter, which is freezing, to to really quite humid, hot conditions there. Mm. Um, and and especially the first half, which is at the lower levels before you get up into the mountains, it was it was really quite hot and close. And I, I mean, I sweat at the best of times on a cold day in the winter, so I found fluid quite difficult to maintain. Um, but then in the second half, as you get up higher, it's it's much much more like sort of summer trail running here, and actually that was quite quite nice so it's a good variety of everything i think i think probably some some heat acclimatization before going out there might 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 have been a good plan but um it's completely different so if you want something completely different it's yeah you won't find anything like that here so no well, congratulations superb result Thanks. thoroughly deserved Thanks. as always we rewind all the way back you first got into ultra running in 2013 yeah about then yeah and if we look back at your sort of past history i mean it's like a let's talk about pre-injury first and then and then perhaps you can talk us through you know the injury and what that's meant since then but you won the yeah. Cotswold waste centuries thames path 100 i know about that one south Downs 100 <laughs> i know about that one too winter 100 
also know about that yeah. one. The rat, the plague, the te- uh, 11th at UTMB. You represented GB at the uh, 2015 World Trail Champs. You were 26th there. You won Race to the Stones, Lake, Lake District yeah. 3 by 3000 and then you had a good 24-hour race at the end of 2015. So an incredible like opening an account really do you find that you just stepped into the sport on a high level and how how did you do that you know so how were you performing so well straight off the bat in 2013 well i look at quite a lot of those races and they're they're all quite none of them are the sort of big names that people do now like the ultra trail world tour type names they're all i kind of look at them and think well i didn't have a huge amount of competition and i do feel better when i'm running ahead so i think i went into it and started winning races and and that puts you in a really positive mindset. And if you're in a positive mindset, you feel like you can carry on doing anything. So I did. So I think I was lucky in that the first few races that I won made me feel good. So I carried on. I think if I, I think the first race I'd done was something like UTMB and I'd come in like, you know, sort of 50th place in 40 odd hours, then it probably would have put me off doing quite so much. But I think because I started off with the lower key stuff, that prompted me to carry on doing more. Yeah, you were... At the top of the sport, really, in the UK, I mean, your selection in the trail team speaks volumes. Yeah, okay, as you point out, you know, in terms of international racing, it was really just UTMB to that point, but 11th at UTMB is pretty incredible. And then, yeah, you you know, what happened early 2016? Tell us about the accident and and what that, you know, what that meant for your running. Yeah, I was out out cycling, ironically, because my other knee was hurting, so I was cycling to offload it a bit and just do some cross-training. And then as I was cycling through the town, a woman pulled out of a junction in front of me and I went, I hit her bonnet with my car, uh, with my bike, right head on. And then I flipped over the bonnet and landed in the road on the opposite side. And I think I must have, I don't really remember a lot of it, but I must have landed directly on that knee because the degree of injury to it suggests that it had just been sort of like hit head on by something solid and just smashed outwards. So in a way, I was quite lucky that it was just my knee because I think if I'd landed on anything else, I would have been in a lot more trouble. Um, but then obviously I was taken into hospital as a, as a trauma case and they looked at my knee and they, <laughs> I remember it was really quite, so I went in there and I was in a lot of pain. Um, and I, I'd never understood the term rolling around in pain before, but I get it now. And, um, they gave me a shot of morphine, which I'd never had before. And I went from like screaming in pain to like, oh, this is embarrassing. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm going to get up and walk yeah. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so morphine's amazing stuff and then he poked around a bit and told me that i'd fractured fractured my patella and um about five minutes later had to tell me to stop screaming more more less out of pain and more just out of i knew what that meant because Mm. i'm I'm a doctor and i've done orthopedics so and then i had to go through rounds of operations to fix it and then i had to go through all the stuff afterwards they told me well you've completely rogered the cartilage behind it and like i know what that means as well in terms of arthritis so it was just this massive Ugh, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong and then but at the meet in the same time trying to think well this could have been a hell of a lot worse so it was a funny old time your description of the accident there obviously i know well what happened but just hearing about it again it's just it's just a sickening thought you know of you the, the damage that that must have caused uh you know physical damage to your knee but also yeah. just a, yeah there's the shock of going from running at the level you were and it being a huge outlet for you and something that you love to do um, to just being sort of taken away from you, I guess. Just a huge uh, emotional wrench as well. Yeah, and no one could tell me. like, So the first surgeon was like, well, you're not going to be doing anything this year. 
Okay, okay, I can I can see that. That's fine. I need to spend two and a half months on weight bearing, so that's obvious. But no one could tell me what I was going to be able to do in the future, and that's mm. what I found really hard. Mm. Like no one could say, you know, give it a couple of years and you'll be back where you were, or anything like that. It was just it was a massive unknown about it. That was tough. <laughs> and did you did you find that you then created your own? I don't know, plan of what you'd be able to do then, or, or were you kind of just listening to the doctors and uh, and taking for what taking what they said for granted, like you won't run for another year or you won't run for six months, or was it, or was it you in your mind saying I'm I'm going to be running in another six months? Well, I knew I knew that I had to do what I was told initially because I was I was non weight bearing, so I couldn't do anything else at that stage, and I had to regain the function in the knee, and then after that. I just kind of ignored what they said to a degree yes. and I was like, well I, you know it's it's my knee and it's my pain and if I feel that it's functioning and I know that the bone's safe then I can just push it and see what I can do so they they, they knew me pretty well and they knew what I was doing because I'd worked for them so they kind of I think they knew I wasn't going to do anything drastically stupid <laughs> um so I just kind of went with it really and saw what it could do uh-huh. and do you think your knowledge so you're what you're you're a doctor yourself or uh yeah i'm a junior yeah. doctor I'm, I'm not an orthopedic doctor but i'm a sort of i'm a bit of a jack of all trades and master of none at the moment so now, do you think that knowledge that you had helped in your recovery or, or telling yourself that you'd be able you'd be to get back running quicker or not i think it did help a bit because i knew that about the joint function and I knew that once the bone was fixed and I'd done what they told me and, uh, you know, I'd had the checkup x-rays three months down the line and everything was in place, that that was as good as it was going to get. And at that point, the bone's not at any more risk of fracturing. So it's not like I'm going to accidentally fracture it by doing too much. Mm. So then it's just a case of pushing on and seeing what the joint itself could do. And knowing that, I think, helps because then you know that any pain you're getting is is just where the joint's adapting I think a lot of people would get that pain and think ah I've got to stop because it hurts whereas I was like well I, I know that's going to hurt I can push on through it so what month that did kind you of have the accident sir was it January February of 2016 yeah Jan- end of January 2016 okay so it's been two years almost yeah. two weeks since that um, in yeah. fact, Hong Kong, I think, was literally two two years after the accident, wasn't it? In terms of yeah, my fracturesary. Right. So <laughs> you've gone from a place in early 2016 where your knee is literally in pieces, um, yeah. multiple operations later, to um, you know finishing sixth in a world class field. Um, by the way, that that follows the following series of results in 2017. First at the um, Eco Trails Low 80k. Uh, first at South Downs Way 100 in a time that bettered your pre-accident um, <laughs> South Downs Way 100 win. Um, it's like six whole minutes. <laughs> that's a big, big gap. Second at, <laughs> second at K78 Swiss Alpine Marathon. First at the Dartmoor 50. I should point out, and this harks on from the conversation we had with Katie Carr's Saberstain last week. First overall, not just Yay. first lady. And then eighth. <laughs> at Spotathlon in 30 hours and 10 minutes, which was the third fastest all-time British female finisher at that race. If, if there's people out there suffering from injury at the moment, uh, thinking, how, how am I going to come back from this? What have been the sort of central tenets of your return from, you know, the first six months of 2016 where you're totally out of action and just rehabbing through to being yeah. back to where, where you are now? Just do, do the do the bloody physio. Just absolutely do the physio. I think there's so many people like I've got to run and I've just got to get back out there and run, but and and completely ignore everything else. But you 
you've got to do the muscle training work. Your right leg that you injured is was significantly worn, you know, because you just you, you were non weight bearing for how long? Six, eight weeks longer? Uh, 11 weeks. Yeah. So the wastage, the muscle wastage was huge, right? And that had knock on effects yeah. in terms of the biomechanics of that leg. And it's something yeah. that you've, you've had to manage the whole way through this process, right? But as, yeah. you, as you say, is it all about creating the support net, you know, within the body to, to cope with the deficiency that that leg has and then trying to sort of create balance through it, through that? Yeah, I think it is. And I think, I think it's a, it's a bit under neglected by runners who, I mean, we all get fixated on just the running part of it, but, and I did any, I did as well, but it, it's just absolutely invaluable to have the muscle structure around it to, to rebalance you. And when I first went out before, before I had the metal work taken out, cause about a year ago, they took all the metal out of my knee and I'd go running with Jade to my husband and he'd go, look, you're lopsided. And you kind of think, well, if I'm running lopsided visibly, that's clearly going to be putting stress in other places where there shouldn't be stress. Mm. So it's it's really a case of trying to even everything up, and I just I think that has really helped. It helps to get a good physio too, because when I started initially doing the weight uh, the work on my knee, and it started to really hurt and really swell up, and I went to one physio who said, "Well, stop using it," which is actually the worst thing you can do. <laughs> and um, I, then I found a, another another physio who's really good and actually worked with the surgeons who operated on me, and she was like, "Well, no, it, it's gonna hurt because the joint's got to adapt and remodel." So take painkillers, push through the pain to a certain degree, work work what pain is acceptable to you and just go with it and work with it. Mm. So I think I think it's a bit of a case of just yeah, knowing knowing your body pretty well and making sure that you're working your entire body. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. a valuable point too, because I think a lot of people get injured and then continue to rehab just the area of injury where that creates an area where you've got imbalance then potentially on the other side. So the best conditioning you can do is to work everything evenly and then help and that allow the injured area to come back up and meet the point at which the, um, you know, the healthy area is at, right? Rather than just trying to work on the area that suffered the, um, suffered the injury and having that get stronger and everything else suffering as a result. Dan, you're a big believer in strength and conditioning as well. I'm a, I'm a big believer. Yeah, I, I tend to, I call it maintenance these days. Yeah, about just it, almost like injury prevention. Yeah, I think, and what you're saying, I think, is really right. Yeah, you need to be working the the whole of the body constantly. Yeah, and not and not just running. Sarah, you know, this the journey that you've you've come back from is obviously a physical one in terms of you know even now i know you're still managing your knee on a daily basis and it's never going to be the knee it was before but it's working how how has the sort of mental journey been you know the the kind of psychological path back when did you feel and and have you ever felt that you you know really confident that you're back to where you were you know when did it start to click was there a moment or a period of time when the belief started to return that you could get back to the level you were running at before yeah I suppose because I the, the first big thing I did was um when after I'd had the metal out and I went out to Spain and did that boreal marathon which I'd done the year before when or, or two years before before my fracture yeah and I was able to run up and down hills which I kind of thought I wouldn't do and I I, I finished that about four minutes slower than I would have finished and I just felt so good and so strong and that I think that was when I sort of felt Christ I might be able to do this again and then and then a couple of other races I've done like the Imri's trail marathon down in Cornwall just like a little local marathon and I just felt so strong running it felt so good like it's painful but everything's functioning and 
I think quite a, quite a few of the races have made me feel like that. Mentally, like psychologically, do you, do you think? Do you think, in a way, that your accident and coming back from that accident and, and being able to run again, do you, do you think it helps you when you get to those like those sort of dark periods in in ultras when you're you question what you're doing and your mind's telling you to stop? Do you think it helps you that you're, I don't know, that you have a newfound gratefulness that you're able to run again, or does that does that work in a positive way or not? Yeah, it has done sometimes actually. Because in the South Down Way hundred, I felt so crap in the first half, and I was like, I could just stop at thirty five. But then I was like, no, I've just I've just spent a year and a half trying to get back to this point. I'm not going to waste a year and a half. And also, like, ten hours of pain out whilst running is nothing compared to four weeks of lying on my back and not knowing if I'm going to be able to run. So actually, if you like. I look at the time and think of it in context and think actually I'd much rather have 10 hours of vomiting in pain while I'm running than to go through all that again so yeah it's definitely something if I'm it it, it's like a distraction technique as well like no matter how crap you feel it's never going to feel as bad as as not knowing whether you're going to be able to do it so you're definitely uh in my opinion probably the toughest um in terms of your ability to show up to an event and race to the best of your ability and to not cave to any of the the major issues now where where do you draw that strength from in events is it something that you had pre-accident as well and this kind of follows on from dan's question have you do you kind of know that you've always had that level of stubbornness that level of being able to really dig incredibly deep and focus on the job at hand in these tough tough races or is it something that that has got stronger since the accident because you're just you know the joy of running is has come back and and you're so grateful for it no i think i think it was always there i mean i vaguely remember the thames path 100 that that i did back back in 2014 i think it was and oh god that was such a horrible race and i was so miserable (laughs) no not because it was a horrible race just because i was feeling so bad so i started cracking jokes with the guys at the checkpoints and they were like really encouraging and laughing at my really crap jokes and that gave me the boost I needed and so I've, I think I think I've always had it and just like if I can just get around that negative and into a positive then then I can keep going mm. I use music for the same thing if I, I if, if I can just persuade myself to start singing then I'll be able to sing my way out of this horrible bit. So I think I think it's always been there, but it is a lot to do with with sort of mental and not just physical attitude. Because yeah, there's there's been bits where I think I'm probably going to fall apart, but if I can tell a crap joke and someone laughs at it, then I feel a million times better. Funny enough, I met last Friday. I was at the Spartathlon event. Uh, oh yeah, actually, you weren't there to collect your trophies. Though. No, I was working. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But the, I met for the first time, and you might be able to, you're very good at pronouncing last names, uh, James, uh, a chap called James James Zarai, James mm, Zarai. Yeah. He, he's won the Spartathlon, what, in the 1980s, is it, or something? Maybe like a couple of times. And he was uh, he's one of the best um, ultra runners we've ever had in this country. Yeah? He's, he's won like, numerous, numerous races. And he was talking about, he was he was brilliant lovely lovely man and he was talking exactly about that question you just asked and what he was saying was that if I can try and I don't know translate what he was saying but he was saying basically when you get to that dark moment what you got to do is find that light inside you again that strip away the race strip away your watch the time everything and just just go back to that 
that joy you feel for like why you run in the first place, you know, and just and just try and get back to to that um, thought inside you, which which he said he did a lot, and it kind of makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, it's just yeah. Uh, and I think like you're like we were saying with you, Sarah, to be really grateful that you're actually out there. You're you're remind yourself you're doing something you you love. Do you know what I mean? You went you entered that race because you want yeah. you want to finish it and you want to run it. And to remind yourself that that's yeah, you're lucky to be out wherever you are on the South Downs, even if you've got another forty miles to go. But you're doing something you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to remind yourself and of that because it's easy to forget, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And something that, that that I might might not have been able to do potentially as well. So it's yeah, I've yeah. always got that that to fall back on. Like, well, it might have been different, and I might not have been able to do this. So, I, but make the most of it. Yeah. You would have found something else and been equally brilliant at that, probably. But we're just grateful <laughs> that you're back on the running scene. So, just um, we've had uh, Paul Masco on before, Sarah. He's a paramedic, and he won last year's Autumn 100, and actually just last weekend. Yeah was second at the Ark of Attrition. He's one of your Mud Crew team teammates, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he His job, obviously, has a big impact on what he does. And, you know, I know you do shift work and, you know, nights and all kinds of stuff in your role as a junior doctor. How, how has that impacted training and recovery? And how do you manage the time, uh, you know, around training and, uh, and, and that workload? Um, well, the last block's been a bit tricky because our rotor has been really hectic. And because of the NHS winter pressures, you just leave work feeling frazzled as well. Yeah. But I mean, I think in a way that that's, although it, it doesn't really help your, your sort of like speed work and recovery. What it does help is it, it helps that like for the longer stuff, you're just keeping going, even though you're already knackered. So I, I like going and out. I like going out and doing a long run after a night shift because that's essentially what you're doing towards the end of a, a long distance run. Mm. You've been awake all night and you're still running. <laughs> so yeah. it's actually I think that's quite helpful. Yeah, Paul said the same thing. He's like, I'm sleep deprived all the time with work, and I have been for 17 years. And guess what? You know, if yeah. I have to be sleep deprived in a race, it really doesn't seem that difficult. And um, and yeah. didn't he say he doesn't he turn up after his night shift to actually go and run ultras as well? <laughs> I mean, I think sometimes he yeah. has. Yeah, I mean that takes a special kind of person. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Sarah, obviously, you know, you set yourself targets in 2017. It was the first full year back, and what a year it was. Um, off the back of Hong Kong, now you've got the World Trail Champs coming up. What do you think? You know, what do you want to do further down the line? Is there a balance of racing for fun and some of the stuff that you always had your eye on? Or is it going to be always looking to compete while you can now at the international level and, and getting back onto those kind of scenes? Will it be road, trail, 24-hour? Because you've done it all. You know, where, where do you want to take things yeah. in the future? I don't know. It's tricky because I like a bit of everything, actually. I think what I discovered at Hong Kong was with that distance, 100 kilometres in the mountain, towards the end of that, I was starting to get... I was starting to get slightly inhibited by, by my knee. So I think that kind of means that the longer distance mountain stuff is, is going to be potentially less what I want to do because I don't want I don't want it to hold me back. Yeah. Um I love a hundred mile race that I can just run like the like the South Downs or the Autumn one hundred and things. I I love to be able to just run the whole thing. So I, I just want to do a few more of those just because I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um and I'd like to have another go at a track race too, because I only had that first go at it before my fracture and I'd I'd really wanted to try and get further and then I had the fracture and didn't get a chance to. So I definitely want another crack at that as well. So there's sort of a bit of everything, really. Mm. I'd, li- I'd like to. I'd like to think that I've got more more than just the sort of 216k in me over 24 that I managed, and 
yeah, it's sort of a bit of everything. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, this... pretty refreshing to hear because I think variety is crucial. It's a sport that probably is, you know, 20 sports within one umbrella, really. Yeah. Because Dan and I are the same. We'll, we'll race all kinds of different distances, terrains. Um, and I think that that is the beauty of this sport that, you know, it's very versatile and you can you can make it what you want. There are so many races out there now that you can pick and choose almost anything at almost any any time of year and it uh, and you'll find something to, to fit and work. Um, yeah. So the, the trail champs are in May. They're in. Yeah. Is it Portugal or Spain? Penny Galosa. Spain. It's Spain. Spain. Yeah, so, uh, near near, Mar- near the Boreal Marathon that I've run before, so I love that bit of Spain. The mountains are fantastic. So you know, super excited, looking forward to that. And you know, what's the uh, what's the team lineup? And do you know the girls that are racing with you? Um, have you raced with them before? Were there any of those on the team back in 2015 when you ran last for the team? Um, Sally Sally Fawcett was in the team back then, so yeah. I know her. Um, okay. And I, I know Beth because I've met her before, but I've never raced with or against her. And the others I also know by by name, but I've never met any of them before. So it'll be really interesting meeting a whole new bunch of people. I think quite a lot of them, we seem to be spread spread out. I think quite a lot of them live further north. So I think they know each other a bit more. But um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to, to, to meet some new faces um, and hopefully... Um, hopefully get some inside knowledge because some of those girls are absolutely cracking and I'd like to know what makes them tick. And mm. <laughs> um, Sarah, will you have any, will you have time to prep before that? Will, will you have chance to go out beforehand and uh, have a look at the course or spend yeah. running in those, uh, on those trails or not? Yeah, I'm really lucky. So the, so my work have let me go part time f- for, for a period of time. So for the next few months I'm, I'm working part time because Brilliant. of this. So they, they, the, the the NHS, the deaneries let you go part time for sort of reasons like kids, and also if you if you're doing sort of like competitive sporting. So um, I'll go out in March and have a look, and um, I might go out a little bit later as well. Also, just because I want to get used to the temperature, because <laughs> I'm not great in heat. So will it be as hot as Hong Kong or not? Um, I don't. I th- it won't be as humid as Hong Kong. Yeah. I don't know about temperature wise. It probably a bit on a par as, with Hong Kong, really. But I'm a wool- I'm a woolly Celt. I, I like it cold. So. <laughs> It's really tempting for me to start asking you about your training at this point, but I'm not going to do that because uh, we're just <laughs> going to end up talking about um, stuff that you're going to ask me. So yeah, not... I would say, though, that coaching-wise, just one one of the things about it, because I'd never had coaching before I had my fracture, and frankly, without the input afterwards, I wouldn't have known what I was doing or where I was going. So it's been invaluable in getting back to, to running and just allowing me to train, but also managing my injury so it's it's been more than invaluable i think um, (laughs) you as a runner definitely i mean obviously you had the ability to take yourself to an international level uh before the accident you did that i think the challenge subsequently has been to run the right amount to take yourself back to that level against the amount of time and energy you need to put into you know, strength and conditioning around the knee, but your body in general, as it comes back to full health. Um, yeah. And on top of a hugely busy work schedule. And one thing that I would say is that, you know, much like Katie last week, actually, or a couple of weeks ago, you probably run, uh, you know, a moderate amount of mileage for an ultra runner. I, I wouldn't say it's high mileage, you know, in comparison to someone like no. Dan, for example. 
but the amount of hours that you're concentrating on managing your body and giving yourself endurance you know through through general maintenance as well as running is is probably is up there um yeah and it's a testament to your resolve and your desire to get back to where you were before that you're willing to sacrifice so much you know run time to go and uh, you know look after your body the way you need to um for it to function through those training weeks do you do you feel now that the knee is is 80 percent 90 percent 95 percent obviously your results are back but how much of it is still a management of that injury Mm, I don't know, it's really difficult to say and it varies from day to day depending on what I've been doing with it yeah. it's always hot and scrunchy so it's never functioning quite as normal and I think if I, if I do run a long distance I, don't, I notice aches in places I didn't used to have them because I just think I'm still compensating slightly so obviously right. it's still a way to go before it's normal mm. um, and whether it ever will be I'm not sure it doesn't have the flexibility the other one had but um, as long as I can keep managing it I don't really see a problem with that I think so. The the main thing here is to remind people who, and a lot, these are refers to a lot of people, when you're injured or ill and it seems like all is lost, uh, just put it in perspective. This is a very physically damaging sport at times, you know, whether that's in peak training blocks or in racing. This sport will take its toll at some point. Uh, managing yeah. you, managing everything sustainably through that is is difficult and requires focus. And it's not necessarily about the running. It's much more about your sleep and what you eat and your stress management and picking a sustainable calendar of races and making sure you have proper training cycles, giving yourself yeah. adequate rest. I think there's all too many... Um, exp- this, this refers to veterans as well as you know people new to sport who look around and see this incredible uh, you know, wealth of events all over the, the world and, you know, they dip their toe and they try a race or, you know, and, and, and before they know it, they're into 20, 20 ultras in the next year. And a lot of them are long and they're really not sure what they want. And it ends in, in disaster. You know, either it's a long term injury or, you know, a setback of some kind. I did it in 2011. I overraced and ended up with stress fractures and was bone density issues and and it, I had to learn the hard way a year later that my body wasn't capable of doing what I was, you know, mentally trying to put it through. I think yeah. the big reminder for everybody here is that, you know, you've gone through a an absolutely massive um, ordeal of an injury, uh, not just a, you know, a short term thing that requires a bit of therapy and a bit of concentration, a bit of patience, uh, and you you continue every day two years later to manage that injury you know every day you're working that knee you're thinking about it and you're making sure that you do everything you can to provide yourself the platform on which to go and do what you love it's what you you know it's worth it because it's it's so important to you i think people could benefit from just taking time out and putting things in perspective and particularly uh, you know operating with a bit more patience when trying to come back from um from being on the sidelines because it happens yeah. to us all and you, you, you need to remember that but it, put it in you know in relative stakes uh you know against what you're going through now um it, it's, it's it's worth the perspective while we're on that subject i just wanted to touch yes. upon uh, somebody else that uh, is making a comeback that some of our runners will be aware of um andy kett suffered a, a stroke um at mile 41 of the chilton wonderland 50 last september Oh, yeah. Um, it took us a number of hours to um, 
to get him to hospital just because of his position on the trail. Um, the paramedics had to come in with our ambulance team and they had to stretch him off the trail and then take him into Oxford and eventually to London for, for brain surgery. He, I was just communicating him with this week. This week he, he was uh, walking with a stick. And um, he, so he's still not got full function of the left-hand side of his body. Um, and he's still coming back, obviously, just to, to being able to just operate day to day. This is a guy who was running in the top 10 overall uh, in his early 40s with a young family and suffered something on that scale. Uh, you know, yeah. there's no greater reminder um, alongside an injury like yours of, of how grateful we should all be um, for, you know, our health and fitness and being able to run. Um, but that, you know, when times get tough, you know, for people like you and for Andy, you, you give it everything and you're coming back. Yeah. And my reach out to him this week was, look, you know, come and give the awards out of the events or, you know, the dream would be one day, of course, he comes back and, and finishes one of our races. Um, much yeah. like you did at South Downs 100 yeah. and then run off with a tro another trophy um, <laughs> in the way you do. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, we started this episode, Sarah, with a chat about uh, cheats. Um, and yeah. we're, fi we're finishing uh. with a conversation about the total opposite end of the spectrum and everything that is yeah. good about the sport. No, I like that. But you're right. I think... Um it's so important that physio i mean you're still doing your little physio exercises are you on your knee so, oh yeah day, daily yeah. yeah it's an ongoing process i think people will stop after they feel better but now it's a daily yeah, yeah. thing it's so easy to stop those exercises isn't it because a lot of the time they're, they're just they're really like little things and, and in yeah. your mind sometimes you're like well this yeah because we're so used to like running long distances and and and, and uh, pushing our body and having that feeling in our body where we're we're working really hard. When you get given these exercises um, that just seem like really innocuous and nothing. Yeah, um, you, you're not not actually feel like I'm working anything. Yeah, exactly. So it's so easy just to think, oh well, I don't, actually, I don't need to do that today, and yeah. I don't. And once you don't do it one day, then it then it goes into not doing it for the next day, and then it's and then it just becomes. Yeah, you just forget about it, but um, but yeah, they're so so important, aren't they? And the fact that you're still doing yours, um, two years after your accident, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, that, I'm, that's I'm why. It. I'm, I'm the first person to be on at people about, you know, getting the stuff done, concentrate on it. It doesn't come easy, you know. Sacrifice ten or fifteen minutes of your run session to do this three times a week, and it's like an insurance policy. And yet, I still yeah. have to remind myself, you know. 12 years down the line from starting in this sport that I need to do it. I've no problem prompting other people, but you know, yeah. to actually do it yourself is requires real discipline. And that it's an example to everybody else really that, you know, it should be something that's part and parcel of your training is just as important as all the other components. If we look at it, really, the running is the fun part, the icing on the cake and, you know, nowhere near the full complement of what being good at the, in this sport is about, I guess, and being able to, you know, run these races. Um, so, Sarah, I guess uh, last question from me: when, when are we going to see you at a Centurion race in the future? When? Um, when would you? Oh, like I wanted. To, I want to do the North Downs because that's the one I haven't done yet. I haven't yes. done North Downs, so I want to do that this summer. Well, you'll be joining Dan Lawson, I believe. Cool, we'll run cool? together. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, right. I'll I'll see you for about five minutes before you shoot. Looking forward to handing yeah. out a couple of trophies to you two in August. Then you know, no pressure. <laughs> Sarah, how many Centurion trophies you got on the mantelpiece? 
Well, I've only got two. I gave one to my mum, one to my auntie. Uh, I think my mother-in-law's got one as well. <laughs> and and you gave your uh, South Downsway 50 trophy back so that it could be given to the last finisher in that event. Um, yeah, and what a finish. She had 11 seconds spare. Bloody oh, amazing. Uh, yeah, cracking job. I think, um, was it Maxine, Lindley Chambers' other was. half? Yeah. So, yeah, Maxi Lock. Yeah. So she had eleven <laughs> seconds. You could work to spare. out why everyone was screaming at her around the track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great day. Um, again, good stuff. Great, great to see what the sport is all about. The champion gives back the trophy to the final finisher, and this isn't some like cheesy like, oh yeah, you know, I'll do this because I've got twenty-five of them. It's just, it's just the type of person you are, Sarah. Just, you know, <laughs> generous to go. I don't have space in my luggage for this, so uh, you can have it, Max. Yeah. yeah. I was more thinking, like, Christ, I, can't, I could only just spend, like, seven and a half hours. Can you imagine doing that for 13 hours? That needs a trophy. Yeah. yeah. She wasn't actually yeah, the closest finisher. We, we, we have had people finish with a, with a second. And we've had finish oh. people, people finish five seconds over. It's the same as comrades oh. every year, right? It happens, you know. Yeah. What, how harsh are you? If they're five seconds over, James, is that is that? Do you do you close the finish and? Uh, no finish. No yeah. finish. That that is what it's all no, about. Even, no one's no one's allowed to clap. No they finished the course, of course. You know, it's a bit like the the. Sorry, we we're just talking earlier again about the fourteen-year-old kid who ran Rocky Raccoon 100 last weekend and finished in 30 hours and five minutes, missed the cutoff by yeah. five minutes. That is, right. that's the challenge. It's the cutoff. You, you know, if, if we say it's, okay, you can have another minute, where do you draw the line? Is it 70 yeah. seconds? Is yeah. it 90? Is it five minutes? Is it 10 minutes? Um, yeah. And we've always drawn a hard and fast, you know, it's absolutely, it's this time and that's it. Um, and the people they that have- missed the cutoff by five or ten seconds they come back because they want it more than ever yeah um, yeah you know it doesn't put them off the sport and then send them off into the great blue yonder they think i'm going to find that five seconds i'm going to spend a year working out how which is pretty- it's quite it's quite easy i suppose yeah just uh <laughs> five seconds less at checkpoint seven. hold that we <laughs> yeah waiting for your hot chocolate or <laughs> yeah. you can you can wee down your leg it's fine you don't yeah. have to <laughs> They had the same at the Hong Kong with um, with uh, uh, accepting aid because the chap who came in first was disqualified, and I think it was because he'd accepted aid outside the checkpoint. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and the argument was it was only a bottle of water, but it's the same thing. It's like, where do you draw the line? Is is a bottle of water okay, or you know, a nutrition bar is okay? You've got to draw the line somewhere. Sarah, it's been a great to speak to you. I mean, I know I speak to you a lot, but all the same, <laughs> it's good to it's good to put your story out there i know there's been some coverage of it i know you were in runner's world this last month which is great to see <laughs> but um Hoping. seriously i think a dose of perspective for all of us uh, and the, the the usual dose of inspiration that we get from our guests of you know what what's achievable if you really focus and you really want it um yeah and it's just been incre- incredible to watch your return from uh, you know, such a low point to to the unbelievable um, success that you've had recently, and obviously just to cap it all off, getting back to international vest, which you you know you you thoroughly deserve. So well done, well done to you, thanks. and long may it continue. Yeah, thanks for the inspiration, yeah. really. Thanks, Sarah. See you out there. Yeah, thanks. Nice to meet you guys. Take it easy. Yeah. We'll catch you later. Have a nice day. Cheers, Annie. Bye. 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 So huge thanks to Sarah for coming on. 
there's just nobody I don't I I know it's an easy thing to say and you know could refer to a lot of people but I personally think Sarah can find a level in racing that always always finds the depths uh, you know is able to plumb the depths of strength and just is such an example to the rest of the field as well the way she starts off and and motors through from 25th to 6th in a race like Hong Kong 100. I mean... Yeah, she does it the right way. Amazing yeah. discipline to, to be, you know, capable of running that hard from the gun, but listening to your body and playing it smart and, and ultimately reaping the rewards for that. So... Tough, tough girl, yeah. Very yeah. tough in a good way. Um, cool. What are you up to next week, James? I've, I've got to get some training in, my man. Bushwhacking in the... Uh... Bushwhacking. I've got to in put woods, some serious yeah? climb and descent in the next three weeks because uh, I feel good from Rocky Raccoon. Actually, I did a re- funny that because I had a 25 mile recovery walk at the end of it. But yeah. I did a um, a little run out over the uh, Cheddar Hills on Tuesday on the way back from the Ark of Attrition and, and I felt pretty good. So I think I'm going to try and step back into it next three, four days and put some big miles down. And when, when's Barkley? It's uh, soon. Soon, yeah. It's half a training block away. <laughs> and how are you feeling? How are you feeling then? I, I honestly, wise? I honestly don't know. Uh, I'd be yeah. lying if I said that Rocky Raccoon and Phoenix hadn't sort of dented my. You know, if those races had gone well, I, I would be coming in hot, feeling good. Yes, I probably, I probably could have run a good solid effort at Rocky Raccoon had things gone a little differently for me. I certainly didn't have any problems in the sort of the legs or the fitness department. So that's that's uh-huh. positive. But this is just a total unknown. I mean But Bar- Barclays it's not a running race though, is no, it? No, it's yeah? not. But you still need it's, the fitness uh, and the endurance to be out there for yeah. however many hours and the, the steep cl- the, the you know the the amount of elevation gain it just means that you're going to have and, to be working hard a lot of the time. And if you finish, so if you finish or when you finish, you you uh, what's the cut off? You'll be out there for is it sixty hours or something? It's six, like that? sixty hours. I yeah. mean, it, to me, it's it's just one book at a time. You know, there's eleven or twelve books on each loop. At the beginning, yeah. clearly, loop one and two, I, I need to learn. I need to know, get to know the course. I need to concentrate on navigation, you know, a huge amount. And that, that may you, mean that I'm at what a about, massive... What about dropping little bit uh, breadcrumbs along the way? Does you know what? Work? A couple of years ago, some people were marking as they went round. Can you believe that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you're not allowed GPS, you're not allowed altimeters, you're not allowed phones. You're just given a Casio, or not Casio, but like a cheap digital watch and the map yeah. and the compass. So, you know... Uh, who, buddy, who knows? I really... Yeah, it's who pretty, knows? It's pretty... It's, you know, they call it being out there when you're out on the loop. And, and I I know I have no comprehension of what I'm getting myself into. But at the same <laughs> time, I really like to believe that I can at least, you know, fend for myself. Yeah. Um, and you never know. You never know. that It's built up so much. It might it might even be easier than, you, uh, than you're building it up in your mind, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? It's hoping. I mean, the conditions could be yeah. really rough too. I mean, or it could be could be good. You know, it could be freezing cold, fog, snow, ice, all the rest of it. Or it could be fairly benign. So, yeah, yeah man. So, what's the aim at uh, Brighton Half? What are you going to run? I don't know. I don't know actually how I'm feeling. You have to no, say I... your time in minutes, by the way. Don't say one fifteen. You've got to say seventy-five. 
Seventy, yeah, around seventy-five. Around seventy-five. Around yeah. seventy-five. What's your PB so far? What's my PB? Yeah. Oh, not um, seventy-four. Oh right, yeah. okay. Well, in good. Delhi. In Delhi. Oh, in you've New got a sixty-nine in you, yeah. my friend. Yeah, it was uh, it was hilarious. I started right from the back, like the back pen. So I was just weaving in, uh, like in and out through people the whole time. It was real. It was real good fun. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. Good stuff, so mate. Yeah. Well, look, yeah. if I don't speak to you before then, good luck at Brighton Half. And uh, remember, you've Thank got to you, share, share your prize money with us. And good luck there yeah. the 100. Yeah. Yeah. And enjoy your bushwhacking. Cheers, buddy. See you later. Yeah. See you later. All the best.